Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Luke. The Gospel record of Luke in chapter number 12. The Gospel record of Luke in chapter number 12. We've been marching through the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ has been revealed to us through the gospel record of Luke. And we've been witnessing as Jesus Christ has spent time training his disciples for the last three years. And now is on his way marching to Jerusalem, taking his time, but making this final march to Jerusalem. Now as he is heading back, the Lord Jesus Christ is running into some very big obstacles. The obstacles are called the Pharisees. The Pharisees are doing everything they can to oppose the Lord Jesus Christ, to try to cancel out his message and try to convince the people that Jesus Christ is not worth following. In response to that, Jesus Christ had some very pointed things to say about the Pharisees in the gospel record of Luke chapter number 11 and now that he has struck that hornet's nest and the Pharisees are even angrier than ever before the Lord Jesus Christ is going to take some time to start training the disciples around them to let them understand that things are not going to get better but things are going to get worse. And he takes some time beginning in the gospel record of Luke chapter 12 to give them some instructions of how to survive and how to handle and how to behave in a culture that hates them, hates the message of the Lord Jesus Christ and how they can still have victory. And so one of the things that we witness is that According to the world and how they portray Jesus Christ, they imagine that Jesus Christ's messages are always one of encouragement, one of love, and one let's just get along and please just be accepting of everyone. And those people, unfortunately, probably have never read through the Bible themselves. Because as they read through the gospel record of Luke, they're going to see that Jesus Christ gets some very pointed messages. Whoa! Under the Pharisees! Whoa! Under the scribes! Whoa! Woe unto the lawyers. And he gets very pointed and pointing them out and telling them that they're dangerous. They're enemies. Be careful with them and don't you become like them. And so with that in mind and understanding that the pitch and the toner of Jesus Christ's messages become very pointed and very clear and very much one where people need to decide are they going to follow after Christ or not. Let's pick it up in the gospel record of Luke in chapter number 12 and notice with me starting at verse number 1. The gospel record of Luke chapter 12 and verse number 1. In the meantime time when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people insomuch that they began to trode one upon another he that's Jesus began to say unto his disciples first of all beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees which is hypocrisy for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed neither hid 
that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall ye shall be heard in the light. And that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath the power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But... Unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. And when they shall bring you into the synagogues, and unto the magistrates, and powers, and take, take no thought how or what thing ye shall answer, for what ye shall say, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in that same hour what ye ought to say. And if you're the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Luke chapter number 12? The gospel record of Luke chapter 12, and notice as it just states in verse number, or chapter 12 verse 1, he began to say unto his disciples, he began to say unto his disciples. So with this, we want to title this, the message, or a message to the disciples. A message to the disciples. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you today, we're asking that you would open up the Bible. Give us the heart to hear. Give us the ears to hear. Help us to be able to apply these things. Help us not to be blinded, but help us to realize that this is a serious charge to understand who the audience is, to understand our responsibility and that we can trust you. Lord, give me the words to say beyond myself. These are some very hard things to say. But Lord, if I do it in my own strength, if I do it in my own power, if I do it in my own intellect, all it's going to do is hurt people and make people mad. But if your spirit's involved and your spirit's doing it, you could draw all men near and give us an understanding and that we could that we can make a proper application and grow closer to you because of the plain language and the plain speak that you had preached yourself. Help us to have understanding beyond ourselves. Fill me with your spirit and that you would draw this church and its folks closer to you because of this message. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we had said before in context, the Lord Jesus Christ had provoked the Pharisees quite a bit. He had hit that hornet's nest. Now, a lot of people would have in their mind that 
you know, we don't need to stir up things. We don't need to poke at the bear. We don't have to hit the hornet's nest. You know, sometimes people would say, preachers like me, why don't you just, just soften things up? Why don't you just try to, try to uh, get along with folks? And by the way, we try to get along with folks. People are not our enemy. But we have to tell the truth. And there are sometimes that people don't like the truth. But my audience and the one I'm supposed to please, as we'll see here, is the Lord Jesus Christ. God is my main audience. You're just listening. And that he's the one that needs to be pleased. So with everything that's done, it has to be pleasing to him. When Jesus Christ, he provoked the mob. He provoked the Pharisees. And not all of them appreciated it. And now as he's preparing to head back to Jerusalem, the... The tone and the tenor, the, the tension is going to be ratcheted up even more. The Pharisees are now actively looking for a way to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no negotiation. There's no coming to a middle term. There's no trying to find out how we can get along. The Pharisees are looking to kill Jesus. And by default, the, the disciples are along for the ride. That if they hate Jesus, they're going to hate his disciples because they hate his message. So the Lord Jesus Christ, because he's loving and because he knows what's going to happen, is taking some time to instruct his disciples how to survive the upcoming days, the upcoming months. Could you imagine this? For the next several months, it's not going to be, well, everyone loves us and everyone loves our master. It's going to be everyone hates you and everyone hates your master. How do you survive when it seems like the world hate you? How do you survive when they want to witness you fail? How do you survive when it seems everyone is critical of what you're trying to get done? Well, if you don't mind, let's see what the Lord Jesus Christ has to say about these things to prepare for them and the upcoming days of hard times and opposition. The very first thing that is warned here is beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Notice with me at chapter 12 and verse 1. In the meantime, when there was gathered together an innumerable multitude of people. Now notice, there is a ton of people here. The crowd has been building throughout chapter number 11. That the crowd has been gathering together. It said that uh, earlier that there was... Uh, uh, just a huge number that they were barely pushing each other uh, around. They were trying to get through. Now the Bible records that there is an innumerable amount of people. Insomuch they trode upon each other. Here it looks like a Black Friday sale when they still had such things and people are trying to uh, get through the door and they're ready to pounce on everyone and drown everyone. They're just pushing each other. Everyone wants to get closer. Everyone wants to see. So Jesus takes time as there's so many people. He says to his disciples, notice this message is not to the multitudes but it's to the disciples and not just the twelve but elders all those who are making a decision to follow after him. So this goes beyond the 12. There's a lot of people in this crowd who wants to follow Jesus. There's many in this crowd who are just curious about Jesus. And there are some in this crowd who are hostile to Jesus. But yet Jesus is giving a message before the entire crowd. Directed to those who want to follow after him. And he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven 
of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now this word leaven is an important word. You see it throughout the Bible. It is never used as a positive term. The word leaven is, our, is the word that goes along with yeast. For example, if you want to make bread to rise, you have to add an ingredient called yeast. That yeast is leaven. And if you try to raise up bread, you put a little bit of yeast in there and it raises the whole thing up. Jesus uses this illustration that if you put a little leaven inside of the lump, it will leaven the entire lump. So just a little bit is enough to affect the entire being, the entire bread, the entire substance. Here Jesus Christ is pointing to the Pharisees. Remember the Pharisees are the religious leaders. They are the spiritual leaders. And they look good on the outside. In fact, they work very hard to look good on the inside. But on the, or on the outside they look good. But on the inside, they're rotten. And they're far away from the Lord. And they try to pretend that they're spiritual. And they are not. That's where the word hypocrisy comes from. The word hypocrisy is, develops into our word of actor. And that's what they are, is they're actor. They are pretending. They're pretending to be spiritual. They're pretending to be right with God. And Jesus Christ is warning the disciples, those who have a desire to follow him, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He says, don't be like those guys. Don't be like them. Beware of the leaven, that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That it will affect the whole person. What do you mean by that preacher? Well do you know that there are some Christians who do not behave like Christians? That if you were to look at their life tomorrow on Monday. And you look at them in the middle of the day. There's nothing religious or spiritual about their walk. They're about their talk. It's amazing that there are some people that will speak differently at church than what they will at home. There are some people who will speak differently to people at church than they will their own family. They have no problems getting the big Bible and tucking it under their arm and showing up to church. Look at how spiritual I am. And then as soon as they walk off the door, they shed that actor and they go back to who they really are, which is nothing close to the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing that smells like Christ. Nothing that looks like Christ. Nothing that sounds like Christ. They are actors and pretenders. In fact, it is fascinating to watch people who think, who want to pretend that they're spiritual and every time they open their mouth, they think spiritual things are coming out. But to some people who are discerning, they're like, you know, that's not even close. There are professional actors who pretend to be religious. And Jesus Christ is telling the disciples, don't be a hypocrite. You know, we're sinners saved by grace. There's nothing that says that I have to be perfect. You know, as a pastor, being perfect is not part of the qualifications. There are plenty of qualifications that I need to be an example and a leader, but being perfect is not one of them. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Now, that doesn't give me permission to go sin, but I don't have to pretend that I'm more spiritual than what I really am. Do you know what drives people away more than anything else is hypocrites? 
when you are something different at church and you respond differently than what the Bible says and you still think you're spiritual, people see that and it stinks. And Jesus Christ says, if you're going to survive the next couple days, boys, let me tell you, don't become a hypocrite. Don't pretend to be more spiritual than what you are. Don't try to put on airs about how great and close you are to the Lord, especially if you're not. Because people will spot that and they hate that. When I deal with people, people say, oh yeah, I used to go to church, but I can't. There's so many hypocrites there. And that's a whole different set of problems. They, are, they need to be looking at the Lord and not the people. But people give others a good excuse not to listen to the Lord. We need to be real. We need to be genuine. We need to be, admit that we are, we're, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I fail and I mess up and be man or woman enough to acknowledge that, hey, I messed up. So there's something about apologizing that goes a long ways. And if I mess up, if I give wrong information and I tell people, man, I'm sorry I messed up, I was incorrect, people trust you more than when you try to cover it up, when you try to pretend how great you are and you're not. People smell it out. Notice as it goes on, verse number two. For there is nothing. Now, when Jesus says nothing, do you think that he meant nothing? Do you think Jesus is smart enough to mean what he says? He says, there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed. Neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Do you understand that one day you're going to stand before God and give an account? And when you stand before God and give an account, there's not going to be anyone there who is going to defend you that you could hide behind. But everyone will be there to witness it is my personal belief from Scripture. It's nothing that I could say for sure, but I have enough Scripture that I believe I can build a good case to it. It is my personal belief that when we stand before God and give an account, that our friends and family are going to be there. And it is my personal belief that you're not going to have video screens. We're not going to show a tape of your life. It's my personal belief that you yourself, with your own words, are going to tell everyone what you did, what you thought, how you behaved, and everything that you did in secret is going to be exposed before everyone. Now, whether it's you using your own lips, that's my opinion. It is not my opinion that everything that you say and do will be exposed before everyone. But think about that. Regardless whether you say it yourself or if Jesus somehow makes it apparent... Your friends and family, it's going to be exposed what you did in the closet. Your friends and family are going to see what you did when you were behind closed doors and you thought no one was looking. You are going to be exposed to everything that you did when you thought no one was at home and you were all by yourself. May I say, 
it's going to be exposed what you were thinking when you were shaking someone's hand and looking at them. You understand? That hypocrisy will be exposed and brought out. This is one of the reasons why Jesus said, don't be a hypocrite. Now again, the idea of perfection is not required, but there's a good thing calling confession that I can talk to God and be forgiven of all of my sin and that I need to get that right now then have that exposed before everyone not dealt with and see the consequences of it. There are going to be a lot of people, there are going to be a lot of people you're going to be surprised of. I thought they were super spiritual. I thought they were so religious. Don't you see their smile? Don't you see how they carry themselves? And they're going to stand before God and be exposed to how far away of the Lord they truly were. And so will you. The best thing is, is to be honest with who we are in the Lord. And get closer to Him and allow Him to change us than pretend to be something we're not. Because one day it's going to be exposed. Think about these Pharisees who are trying to convince everyone that they're super spiritual. And there's no way you could obtain my spiritualness. They're going to be exposed to how far away from God they truly were. Jesus here is trying to help them. If you want to survive the upcoming days, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. We can deal with people if we're willing to admit that we fall short. People will respect us and will have better influence. Because people are not looking for perfection. They're looking for a changed life. And that's something we can't expose. Let me tell you... I'm a sinner, say my grace, and Jesus by his grace has made me a different person. I'm not what I'm going to be, and I'm not what I ought to be, but I'm not what I was. Amen. And God has changed me. And let me tell you, my story is a story of grace. Because his grace is sufficient, his grace is real, and I'm a work in progress, but he's done a work. That is a better testimony than you trying to pretend to be something that you're not. Jesus tells his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Notice as we go on, we see something else. And this is big. Fear God rather than men. Fear God rather than man. Part of the problem of the Pharisees is that they feared man. Meaning that they wanted man's respect. They wanted men to acknowledge how great they are. Where our main audience is not men, our main audience is the Lord. Notice, if you don't mind, as Jesus gives more instructions in verse number 4. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. After that, have no more that they can do. He says, listen, I know hard days are coming, and you need to be prepared for it. You need to be aware. And let me tell you, don't be afraid of those who could just kill you, period. Wait, wait, wait a second. I don't want anybody to kill me. Listen, if you're going to be follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus made a promise, yea, all those that live godly shall suffer persecution. You are not getting out of this world alive. Jesus said, some of you are going to die. And by the way, all but one was killed. Only one of his disciples died of natural causes. But... Even that, being boiled in oil and being 
uh, marooned on the island of Patmos wasn't a picnic. But he says, listen, don't be afraid of those who could just kill you. There's someone else that you should be more concerned over his opinion. And that's the one, notice in verse number 5. But I will forewarn you of whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath the power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Now notice, there's not a proper noun in verse number 5. It all uses the pronoun him. Well, if we're going to discern, we need to find out who this him is. Who is it that we are supposed to be afraid of? There are some people who have the mistaken notion that it's Satan. That we need to fear Satan. Satan's the one that casts people into hell. Well, is that what the Bible has to say? Well, let's look and see for ourselves. Hold your finger here and turn with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation is the last book of the Bible. The book of Revelation in chapter number 20. Who is this him here? Who is the one that we are supposed to be afraid of? Who is it the one that has the power to cast someone into hell? Revelation chapter 20. And let's see for ourselves. Notice with me if you don't mind in Revelation chapter 20. And notice with me in verse number 10. Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 10. Who is this him that has the power to cast someone into hell? Verse number 10. And the devil that was deceit that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Notice that first of all it was not Satan. Satan, his final destination is hell. There are some people that have the mistaken notion because of comics and culture that they see Satan in hell now with red pitchfork and tail and that he's ruling the place. Let me tell you, um, Satan is not in hell right now. He is not. And Satan does not want to go to hell because when he gets to hell, according to the Bible, he shall be tormented day and night forever. That was the whole purpose of hell in the first place, was to punish Satan and his demons. Satan is not the ruler of hell. Hell is Satan's prison. So who is it that casts people into hell? Who is it that we are supposed to fear? Well, notice verse 11. Revelation 20 and verse 11. And I saw a great white throne. And him, there's that him that's again, that him that sat on it. From whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great. Notice this phrase, small and great. This means small sinners and great sinners. I saw those small and great stand before God. Who is the one that has the power to cast someone to hell? God. 
He's the one who is the judge. Notice in verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The Bible says don't fear him who could just kill the body and can do anything else. Fear him who has the power that after you're dead to cast you into hell. Who is this? It is God Almighty. The one who created the world. He is our judge. He is the one that we have to please. And the Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no not one. For the wages of sin is death. Every single one of us deserve death. Because every single one of us have sinned. I'm a preacher but I've told a lie and I'm sure that you've told a lie as well. The Bible says thou shall not bear false witness in the Ten Commandments. The Bible says in the Ten Commandments to honor thy father and thy mother. We would say it like this to obey your folks. I'm a pastor of a New Testament church but I have disobeyed my folks. And I'm sure that you've disobeyed your folks as well. And because we have sinned, because we've broken God's law, we deserve hell. You say, this is bad news, preacher. I didn't come for this. I didn't come to be discouraged. But I have to tell you the truth. The Bible says, as we turn back to Luke chapter number 11, it says in Luke chapter 12, rather Luke chapter 12, verse number 5, But I will forewarn you in whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath the power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Why does Jesus want you to fear him? Because God is the one that we have to get right with. He's the one that we've offended. He's the one that we have to get right with. But I'm so thankful that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That God loved us so much he didn't want us to go to that awful place called hell. So he sent Jesus Christ to pay the price for us. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Instead of being afraid of what people say, we need to be more concerned with what God has to say. And find out what we need to do to get right with him. And God has made it so easy it's a free gift. We have to acknowledge that we're a sinner and we've offended him and we deserve to go to an awful place called hell. But Jesus paid the price for us and I must personally, for myself, accept that free gift that God offered to us and get things right with him. He's the one I need to fear. Notice if you don't mind the context. Now verses 6 and 7 are often taken out of context because they sound like great verses. But when we place them into proper context, we could see that they actually emphasize something differently. Notice verse 6. Are not five sparrows sold into, for two farthings? And are not one of them, or, and not one of them is forgotten before God? 
Even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are more value than many sparrows. So in this context here, many people use this as comforting. And by the way, there is a comfort to it. But we'll put it in a context in a second. But they said, think about the sparrows. Think about the, the, the uh, birds. God doesn't forget a single bird. He makes sure that they're all taken care of. That's a great comfort. It says, even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do you know that God doesn't just know how many hairs you have? But if you were to pluck one out, he could say that's number 5,634. He knows everything about you. It's a wonderful promise. But do you know the context of this is not necessarily the comfort that we get. But the context of it is, listen, there are certain things that you are to fear and there are certain things that you don't need to fear about. That the fear of the Lord drives out the lesser fears. Some people say, well, I'm worried about gas. And I'm worried about this. And I'm worried about the economy. And I'm worried about the president. And I'm worried about this. Listen, God's got all that in control. The thing that we should be afraid of is who God is. And being pleasing to Him. And being right with Him. There are so many people even right now that are more afraid because of what they saw in the news. And they have no regard of what God thinks about them right now. They have no desire to find out what's pleasing to God and what's not pleasing to God. Because they're too worried about fearing. What am I going to do? What am I going to do to survive? How are we going to do this? Is this recession going to go on? Am I going to have enough money? Can I pay rent? Can I do this? What am I going to do? How am I going to take care of this? And God says, listen. If you put your fear upon the Lord and know that he is everything will in hand, God is taking care of those other things. We don't have to fear him. Our main purpose is not to worry about where we're getting gas. Our main purpose is are we pleasing to him? Amen. My main purpose isn't wondering what the people are going to think about me. My main thing is to be fearing him. It's to drive away all those lesser fears that the people are worried about. God has everything in control. My job is to be pleasing to him and let him take care of everything else. You know, that's a simplistic view. And that's a helpful view. We make things complicated. Can we trust God? Can we fear Him? You say, but, but this idea of fear, that's, that doesn't sound like a, a good thing. Oh, but when you realize who God is, that He has power, that He has might. What is the fear of the Lord? Let's define our terms. The fear of the Lord is an emotional response we have to the knowledge of Him. The fear of the Lord is an emotional response we have because of our knowledge of Him. You remember growing up, maybe you were thinking about different actions, maybe the way that you behave compared to kids act today. And you say, back in my day, man, there'd be no way I would do that. My parents would kill me. Now, we're using colorful language. Would your parents literally kill you? But do you feel like they would? Why? Because you had a fear of them. Our God loves us, but he has so much power and might. And we realize who he truly is. There are certain things that we would choose not to do because we're afraid it would hurt our Heavenly Father. Think about when God gave the Ten Commandments. Unlike what the movies say, God gave the Ten Commandments directly to the people. He didn't give it through the cloud onto a tablet. He gave it directly to the people. 
And when the people heard God give the Ten Commandments, when God was done giving the Ten Commandments, they went to Moses. Moses, you go up to the mountain. We can't stand to hear God's voice anymore. We're afraid we're going to die if we hear his voice. He's that powerful. That fear that those people had that day is the fear that we should have of the Lord. That God was lovingly giving his rules for holiness. But it was so powerful. Oh, we're afraid. Our God, he's powerful. He's mighty. There's no doubt that that's God. I don't want to do anything to offend him. I heard his rules of holiness. And I don't want to do anything to offend him. Because I fear him I recognize who he is. That's the fear of the Lord that we should have. And when we have a fear of that God, those lesser fears go away. When I realize my God has power to save me, my God has power to deliver me, my God has power to supply for me, I don't have to worry about these other things. I need to have my relationship right with God. That's the fear that I should have. Notice as it continues in verse number 8. Now, verses 6 and 7 are the color good verses. And they're always taken out of context. But it starts with a warning, gives some encouragement, goes back to a warning. Verse number 8. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. This word confess is an interesting word. We're used to the word confess in 1 John 1, 9, that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That word confession means that I agree with God with what he already knows. I'm telling God that he already knows about my sin and I'm agreeing with him that I failed. This word confession is a different word. This word confession carries the idea that I identify with him. I am making my public allegiance to him. I'm telling everyone I am siding with God by my actions, by my speech, and by how I carry myself. Remember, I'm not being a hypocrite I am identifying publicly I follow Christ. There are some people that say, I don't want G people to know that I'm following Christ. Let me tell you, secret service Christians are not needed at this time. Amen. God says, listen, you need to let everyone know that you follow me. I know there are some people that don't want to tell people that they're going to church. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Um, uh, I'm just spending some time to myself. They don't want to tell people that they're going to church. They don't want people to know they're a Christian. They don't want people to know that they've been reading the Bible. They don't want people to know that they've been praying. They don't want people to know that they actually sometimes even enjoy church. They don't want people to know anything. And so they don't talk about Christian things. They don't talk about Bible things. They don't talk about their following of the Lord. This is what this means here. That God says, if you confess me, if you live for me, if you behave like a Christian, if you act like you're following me before men, that when you come before the angels, God's going to say, listen, this is him. I've been telling you about him. He made it here. This is, he stood up for me. He behaved like a Christian. Guys, I want you to meet him for yourself. That's the type of entrance I want to make. But notice this in verse number 9. But... He that denieth me before men shall be denied before God. What does this mean? Well, this is talking about to saved people. 
saved people. They made it to heaven, praise the Lord. But they didn't live for the Lord. They didn't identify with the Lord. They didn't obey the Bible. They didn't read the Bible. They didn't like going to church. They felt church was boring. And one day when they get to heaven, praise the Lord, they made it to heaven because they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. But they get to heaven and God's almost hanging His head. The angels are there hanging their head. And God says, I'm glad you made it. I wish you loved me more. I wish you weren't ashamed of me. You made it and come in. Wouldn't that be a horrible entrance to meet your Lord and Savior and He's ashamed of you because you were ashamed of Him? Remember that the disciples are going to be working in an antagonistic time. The Pharisees are looking for ways to murder Jesus Christ. And they're looking for ways to hurt the disciples. And later on the disciples are going to be killed. Jesus is preparing them and saying, Listen, you need to fear God rather than man. You need to choose who it is that you want to please. You need to choose who it is you're going to follow. You need to choose who it is that you want to please. Because you cannot please both God and man. You have to choose. Am I on the Lord's side or am I against Him? James 4.4 4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore shall be a friend of the world is presidents currently the enemy of God. You have to choose a side. No one rides a fence. Jesus is saying you have to choose boys. In front of this crowd he's saying you have to choose to follow me. You choose to be afraid of them and deny me. One day you're going to stand before me and you have to give an account. Which world do you live for? Which master do you serve? Fear God rather than man. One more piece that he gave them of instruction. That he started off and said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He says, Fear God rather than man. Then he gives them this. How do they are going to survive the upcoming days? How are they going to survive in a culture that's antagonistic towards Christ? How are they going to survive when people are planning on killing Christ? And they're caught in the crosshairs. This last thing. Depend upon the Holy Spirit. Depend upon the Holy Spirit. Notice with me verse 10. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. Now pause. What does this mean? It means using God's name as a curse word. How many people say blankety blank Jesus Christ? How many people just in a fit, they're not talking to the Lord, but they hear something and they go Jesus Christ. And they use it as a derogatory term. How many people say oh my and then put G-O-D and say God's name? That's what it's speaking of here. That's blasphemy. In fact, even using filler words. Oh gosh. That's the same. And that's just as guilty. But do you know those things can be forgiven? Notice what he did say. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him. Think about this. There is something that God says, I won't forgive. What is this that someone can commit? That someone whosoever, 
It's attributing the works of God to something else. It's pretending they don't exist. Do you know that the Holy Spirit, who is God, is trying to work on every person's heart? Is trying to work to draw that person to himself. And some people say, God, just leave me alone. No, no, just I don't want it. That's dangerous ground. God's trying to draw you. He's trying to make you make a decision. He's trying to bring him to yourself. And you say, no, Lord, push him away. Leave me alone. I don't want to listen to it. I don't want this. That is very dangerous ground. Because the Holy Spirit is the best tool we have as Christians to have the Holy Spirit here helping us. Notice as he goes on and explains this tool for the disciples of what they're going to face in verse 11. And when they bring you, who's this they? The enemies, the Pharisees. When they bring you, the disciples, the followers of me. Meaning that when they do that, it's not if, it's when they do that. When you are being brought before the synagogues and unto the magistrates and brought into the powers. Take ye no thought of how or what thing ye shall answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in that same hour what you ought to say. Here it says, listen, you don't have to plan a speech. You don't have to think about what am I going to say, what am I going to say. You could trust God because God could do a better job than you ever could. That when it comes time when they are persecuting you and they want you dead and they drag you before the magistrates and they drag you before the courts, that you could trust God to give the exact words that are needed for that time. You say, so that means I get to go off the hook? No. It just means that perhaps you're going to be burnt at the stake. But because of the testimony that you have and trusting God, that many of those people may come to know the Lord because they watch how you die. Remember, don't fear those who could kill you. Fear the one who could cast you into hell. Fear the one who saved your soul. Fear the one and respond to him. Live for him. Be consistent in your life. The Holy Spirit is our best tool that we have. Let's not do anything to offend Him. The Holy Spirit, the best tool that we have. And so as He's preparing the disciples, He's trying to let them know that there's some hard times coming. But listen, you're not left alone. I'm here with you. You say, what do I do with this message? First of all, do you know for sure that your sins are forgiven? Do you know for sure that you are right with God? God wants you to know, 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Do you have this life? Do you know for sure that you have Jesus Christ as your Savior? Then after that, you do. You say, preacher, I know I'm saved. Then listen, stop playing a hypocrite. Stop pretending to be more spiritual than what you are. Live a consistent life. Now, listen, I'm not giving you permission to go drinking. You say, but I'm trying to be consistent. No, I'm trying to say, get closer to the Lord. And allow God to change you from the inside out. You should be always moving closer to Him and always changing towards Him. But don't play the hypocrite. Fear God rather than man because one day you're going to stand before God and give an account in every single 
thing you have ever done. Every single thing you've ever thought. Every single thing that you thought you got away with. One day you're going to give an account. What a time that would be. Could you imagine looking at your mother? Looking at your pastor? Looking at your pastor's wife? Looking at Christians who thought you were a great Christian and with your own lips telling them the things that you did when you should have been serving God. Imagine what a time that would be. I need to get that right right now. I'd get that taken care of. I'd get that confessed and forgiven of. And I would do my best not to do those thinking that Wherefore, we are compassed with such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us run this race with patience. The race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. We should be conscious and be fearing of Him. I should live my life always conscious. Is this pleasing to God? Is this what He would have me to do? Is this what would be pleasing to Him? If you live your life looking towards Jesus, your life would automatically do the things that are right. So dear friend, first of all, are you 100% sure that if you die today that you'd go to heaven? If not, let me tell you, in a moment we're going to have an invitation and I invite you to come get my attention and it'd be my privilege to take the Bible and to show you from the Bible how you can know that your sins are forgiven and that you're right with God. Second of all, if you know for sure that you're saved, let me ask you, are you right with God? Sure, your sins are forgiven. You'll never owe God the debt of hell ever again, but... Are you confessed up? Are you living for him? Are you following after him? Are you more worried about what others say? Are you ready to be used as a testimony to God? Or do you want to just hide in the background and hope that no one notices you? Let me tell you that one day you're going to stand before God and give an account. And it will matter when you stand before him in that day. Are you living your life for him? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.